It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Acast powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Helen Lewis, and I want to tell you about a podcast I've made for BBC Radio 4 and BBC Sounds. It's called The New Gurus, and it's about how everywhere you look on the internet, people are giving advice. Advice they claim will transform your life. Advice that gets some thousands, even millions of devoted followers. These online prophets are telling us how to eat, how to think, how to get rich, how to find love, how to manage our time. So how exactly are these gurus changing our lives and the world around us? And who holds them to account? Find out by subscribing to The New Gurus wherever you get your podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com Hello and thanks for joining me for the latest Strange Boat podcast. With me on the bridge is an old friend who I had the joy and pleasure to fish against many times on his favourite river, the Warwickshire Avon, where he is a genuine legend. Uh, through a combination of circumstances, he now writes more than he fishes, and we'll find out why in the ensuing conversation. Welcome aboard, Brian Bennett. Good evening, Keith. How are you? I'm all right, mate. Thanks. I've got to say, it's really good to see you, and 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 you look a bit different from from when we used to fish back in the old days. Well, camouflage, mate. <laughs> So the roach can't see me. <laughs> yeah, Brian's uh, Brian's um, email address is Redfin, so that gives you an idea of, of what he used to fish for. And, and we'll we'll get onto that a little bit. Actually, the the evolution of the Avon and and when you first started fishing it, and when the matches really first started in earnest, through to virtually the present day, and and how the rivers evolved and changed and everything. But uh, I've had the benefit of reading your your autobiography, The Badsy Boy. Yeah, and. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and 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 it's it, there's some great. Oh, there you go. There's some some great stories in that, and and um, in it you you tell us how and why you started fishing. But of course, not everybody's going to have the benefit of reading reading that. Most some of them can't read. So <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking about bringing a braille copy out. <laughs> oh no, it's nothing to do with that. You uh, need to- are you talking? Um, yeah. All right. <laughs> what, uh, what you'll have to do is bring out an audio book. Um, because you, you you have got a wonderful voice in, in speaking with your your sort of local accent there. What um what kicked you off in the sport? I used to go fishing with my brother. Uh, we used to fish for roach on the Wagler, hemp in tears when I was 15, 14, 15, and catch 30, 40, 50 pound of roach every time we went. Mm. That's when the river was full of red big roach pound apiece. Mm. Uh, I've got a, do you want a funny story about that? Yes, please. Right. But my brother and I were walking across the field towards our favourite pegs on opening day of the season. It's misty. There's dew on the water. It's like half past six in the morning. And we're walking across the field and we heard this. And my brother looked at me and I looked at him and I said, I don't like the sound of that, mate. 
and we couldn't see anything, but we heard this grunting and rumbling. And all of a sudden I thought, I'm off. So we ran towards this gate. We've dived over this gate with all our fishing tackle on, just as this bull is at the gate behind us. Ooh. And it actually bent the gate where it hit us. Ooh. And uh, we laid, my brother was actually tangled up in his box. The strap was around his throat. <laughs> We've all been so there. I went down with him. Uh, can I be a bit, um, yeah, it's all blokes, isn't it, really? He looked at this bully and said, I wish I had some tackle like that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's just a story. Yeah, that's just... how I started going fishing. Yeah. I wouldn't have liked it if they finish up where a bull's bits finish up, though, would he? No, no, no. <laughs> no. Um, then I started fishing club matches. Then I got recognised. My first proper club was AFS. Uh, damn AFS. And just went on from there, really. I just... Mm. Seemed to catch fish wherever I went. You, you came into it at, probably at, at a bit of a um, a greater age than many others. You know, yes. you, you say fourteen or fifteen. Yeah. Now I started at six or seven. So, so when you came in, you already had dexterity. You knew what you wanted to do, and it yeah. was just before you had discovered other things that have kept people away from angling in the past. You you got the right amount of enthusiasm at exactly the right time. That's about right. Yeah. Yeah. But then I'm and, not married. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, but if we, now, now, you, as I say, we, we'll mention it later. We might as well mention it now. Now, my um, experience of the Avon, I actually didn't start fishing Avon until after the dace boom was over. Now, you had the first roach boom, which yeah. I, I'm going to assume was probably in the 1970s, early 1970s, late 60s, early 70s. Would that be right? Late, late 60s. Yeah, which was similar to the Thames. I mean, we had a load of dace on the Thames uh, and, and they went away a bit and then roach came and then dace came back again. Um, but the, I, I remember the Avon um, f- through reading about it as, as a dace river with, yeah. you know, people like um, like Dave Harrell and, and Dave Thomas and, and, and just firing maggots out, strike, 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 catch a dace, yeah. strike, 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 catch a dace. I'm yeah. working really hard for bags yeah. of dace. And... I, I think I'd be right in saying is that you didn't fall into that trap, did you? I did, but I was better than everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> right. Now, I once, I was doing a lot of trout fishing at the same time. Uh, and I used to wear this deer stalk with all these flies in it. I remember those, yeah. Yeah. And uh, I was fishing, I can tell you exactly what peg it was. It was peg three on the town. Uh, the shallow pegs. Yeah. And I won the match with £21 a dace. I won't mention his name because I don't want to upset the bloke. But the captain of Shakespeare's super team brought all his blokes up, all his team up behind me. He said, you let a bloke wearing a stupid hat like that beat you today. You ought to be ashamed of yourselves. And he gave my right telling off. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you what, I grew from my five foot four to eight foot that day. <laughs> Yeah, it, 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 it was strange. I mean, we had a similar sort of thing down here with dace, and, and I, I never fell into the shallow fishing trap. I, I, I wanted to get the dace at a depth that I wanted them to be rather yeah. than where they wanted to be so I could pick them off yeah. slower and not miss so many bites. And, you know, I don't see the benefit in missing loads of bites, even if they're not proper bites. So, but, but that's a different story. But, but when you, you, I, I think back and, and, and the names that come into my mind for the Avon, obviously you, um, Tony Skinner, Tony Bench, Johnny Sherwood, of course, an absolute legend on the river. And, and, and some of the old shakes we like Steve Pierpont, I used to see there quite regularly. And, and I know that from here, the first anglers I know from this neck of the woods that used to go there regularly were Kenny Collins and his boss, Charlie Taylor, when they, when Charlie had Casey angling and, and oh, when, when Charlie had Roberts brothers, that became Ken Collins angling and they used to go up. And I remember Charlie uh, really getting my goat by winning matches there on the blooming feeder, catching chub. Yeah. Yeah. Is, is, is he the one that used to use all the sweepings off the floor? To put through <laughs> I wouldn't think so. <laughs> no, in Charlie, no, he's a bit more delicate than that. No, they, they, they were using maggot feeders and, and catching chub. And that was when, I, I, I think that's when the river started to evolve into a chub scene, which yeah. would have been the later part of the 70s, yeah, because it seemed like there was a chub explosion 
all over the country after the 75, 76, very dry, very warm summers. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And, and then how, how did you evolve into fishing for them? So you've gone from, gone from the roach you had as a boy, pleasure fishing with hemp tears. Now you've gone through the dace, dace age, if you like, and now you're on to chub. So how did you feel about those? It was another learning, another learning curve for me. I used to do, a, uh, I've always been the same. If I've got a problem with angling, I kept going and going and going until I got it right. And the only way to, to learn to catch roach properly is to just keep going, practicing, changing this, changing that, until you got it right. And that's the way I, I've done my fishing all the way through my, my career, really. Did, did you use a development of the waggler then, like yeah. fishing the waggler and maggot? You yeah. just put it in a different place, fish slightly, fed yeah. slightly differently or what? I fished, the, I could fish a stick float down the far bank of the Avon. Mm. same as like a fisher waggler and the, the secret with catching roach in any great numbers in my my mind is never to run the float down the same line twice so i'd cast out three quarters way across a quarter way across down the middle down the far bank feed all the way across the river and catch fish all over the place because what you'll do is if you fish the Say you fish the, the waggler down the middle of the river. I call it wearing a groove in the river. Yeah. You're fishing the waggler down the same line. All you're doing, you're pushing the, the fish to the side. You might catch the odd one or two. You'll catch them at the start, but after 40 minutes, they've moved to the side. They've been caught before. They're not going to be caught if they can help it. Mm. So the way to counteract that is to catch fish all across the river. Yeah. That's and, about it anyway. And did you use that same philosophy with the chub? Were you, or you were fishing yeah. the waggler sort of three yeah. quarters over? You fished everywhere, yeah. did you? All over the place, man. Yeah, yeah. And, and you mentioned there the stick flow, and, and, and people that know you will know that you, you were, and would still be if, if circumstances were differently, the master of the big stick. Yes. I mean, you, you weren't uh, shy about using biggish floats, no. and you weren't shy about putting some shot underneath them. And and you made the float do the work, didn't you? Yes. The, I, when I set my stick floats up, exactly the same every time, never changed any shotting patterns at all. The only thing I'd change was the, the feeding. Mm. That was my, in my mind, that was the secret to catching fish. The feeding is the big thing because if they're having it, you give them a lot. If they're not, you don't give them any. But but when so you're there fishing your big sticks and you've yep. got Johnny Sherwood and, and um Pete Rice doing exactly the opposite, fishing little stick floats. Yep. Stan Bennett used to sell his stick floats on the bank, and I doubt if he sold one bigger than a four number six, did he? Or five number six, something that, like that. that, that they were all great. tiny little floats, yeah. yeah. I wish you could get some now. I'll tell you, they'd be worth a few, Bob. No, yeah, I've, I've probably got some lying around in a box here somewhere because I don't ever throw anything away. And I know I've got some of Stan's wagglers in my tackle box, but I, 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 was never a, I was never a fan of light stick floats. I don't mean stick floats that don't take a lot of shot. I mean, I, I mean um, stick floats that don't weigh a lot. So if I want to fish a long way out, I will make, uh, but with very little shot down the line, I will adapt the bottom of the stick and put a longer piece of wire or a bigger piece of dowel or whatever in it to do that, but rather than fish a smaller float. Now, there's a different way of doing that. Here's an instance. I was fishing a match at Twyford. I think it was peg 35. I was catching roach on the stick float mid-water, and the stick float, I think it took uh, 8 number 12, something like that. Tiny float, yeah. Tiny little float. And uh, Johnny Kane and Dave Arrow came up and stood behind me. And Cocky said, how are you casting that fart and little thing out there? And I said at the time, skill. But it wasn't yeah. skill at all. <laughs> but it, wasn't, it wasn't skill. It was just using my head. I fished 012, a 12 ounce real line. Yeah. And 06 or, 06 or Clint. Crikey. Right? Yeah. With a Titan 2000. 
perfect setup. Yeah, that that Titan two thousand for those um, that that weren't child, children of the the eighties was a a match rod development in the nineties, I guess. The Titan two thousand, yeah, just yeah. just on on no, it wasn't. It would have been mid eighties. It, it was a Normark, Normark match rod. I I to be honest, I couldn't get on with it. The only Normarks I could ever get on with the with the NMRBs, the original. Um, and the 12 foot, 12, 12 foot hole tips, 12 foot six splice tip. They were yeah. the only ones I got on with the rest of them. You know, I, 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 I've had them all and given them all away. The Norboron didn't like it, couldn't get on with it. But the Titan 2000, I know, was a tremendous rod yeah. and, and, and was in, in massive demand. Still yeah. is. I mean, you can get you get a perfect one now, you get 350, 400 yeah. quid for it. Oh, yeah. Easy. Yeah. I mean, for Starport, which was my favorite venue. Mm. The Titan 2000 was absolutely perfect. Mm. 13 foot. Uh, it was just beautiful. I used one seven bear mainline. Yeah. I did anything you wanted with it. It's funny there, you, you've mentioned Stourport, which obviously is on, on the seven. And yet me and almost everybody else will know you as if, well, certainly I, I would say the king of the Avon, if not a king, certainly high up in the rank of princes of the Warwickshire Avon. So, so why was... What was your love affair with the seven? Obviously, we're going back probably 70s and 80s when there were a few more roach. Yeah, there was a lot more roach, bigger roach, but you could give them some lead. Mm. That's what I liked about it. Oh, which you mean you could use a proper float? Yeah, you could use proper float with some some lead down the bottom and you could really put it to them, give them some bait, four pints of bronze. What more could you want, Keith? You catch 20, 30 pounds of roach. Yeah, I, I, again, I, I got there a bit too late for that when um, when I first when I fished Stourport and I didn't fish many of the of, of Markdown's opens at Stourport. They were they'd started to be you, you could catch a few roach, but unless you had barbel, you couldn't win. Uh, and 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 that so I stopped going then. Well, Stourport was nearly all roach and shrub fishing. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. right. Hardly any barbel being caught in no. Stourport when I used to go. That's right. And That's it was, right. When I started going with Pete Rice and Richard Kings, it was nothing to catch two or three two-pound fish. Yeah. In a, in each net. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's how big the fish were. Yeah. And as soon as you walked them, they just kited out to the middle. <laughs> they kited out to the middle of the seven, and they just out there. And you, just, you could just feel them just moving a little bit. Yeah, it was brilliant, mate. Magnificent fishing. Yeah, I remember that. That's why I started to go there. But but as I say, I was a season or so too late. I've at the seven actually. I've not fished it very often, but it's not been very kind to me. Um, it, it's not a river that's. Uh, it's, it's a river that should suit me for some reason. Yeah, but it, 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 I. I I, 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 you can't say I didn't draw the right place because there is no such thing as not drawing the right place all the time. But I never drew someone. They said, "Oh, you'll have it off today." It was always, "Oh, that's a long walk," or "Oh, there's, uh, yeah. you know, it's, it's dead there. You got to fish four rods out or whatever." Um, I, I, I think I was eleventh on the seven championship. With uh, I tell you how bad it was that year. I had seven, eleven, eight of of roach and chublets, and you'd have loved it because I caught them on the stick float and tears. But I hardly had a fish. Yeah until the damn salmon that was in my peg disappeared. It kept rolling in front of me. And until that went, I couldn't catch a fish. That went and I started to catch. Yeah. That was at uh, Bushley. Yeah. So, so yeah. How, how then did you get this, this, this crown for, for the Warwickshire Raven? What, what, what put you in the position to be um, considered the, the man to beat? It don't matter where I went on the Avon, I caught fish. Mm. It don't matter where I, if I seem to draw bad pegs, somehow I seem to catch fish. And I used to wind people up a lot. As you no, know. I can't believe that were you. I, I did occasionally. Like, <laughs> if you get somebody like uh, Steve Pierpoint above you, yeah, you know, after five minutes, just get the landing net in the keep net and give it a good old. <laughs> that was a good one, Steve. Yeah. You know what I mean? Things like that. Yeah. Uh, and I could talk people out of doing things as well. But I've got to tell you now, um, Mel Watson. Yes. Uh, we drew up in the 80s the one day. This is Twyford. Uh, yeah, Twyford up in the, sorry, Twyford yeah. up in the 80s. 
And I said, you know, I ain't going to bother. I don't think, no. He said, no, I'm going to bother. I'm going to do it. He says, come on. He said, let's go down and have a look. I said, what are you going to do? He said, I'm going to ball it. I said, you what? He said, I'm going to ball it. I said, you're choking it. He said, no. He said, I'm telling you, I'm going to ball it. I said, well, if you're going to ball it, I'm going to ball it. So he huge, large amounts of ground, mate, you're talking yeah, about. Now. Yeah, so I said, when you get a print, he said 20. <laughs> so I said, come on. He said, no, I'm going to put 20 in. So I said, fair enough, you're going to put 20 in? I'm going to put 20 in. So I go to our pegs and I get all set up. I mix all this ground bait up. <laughs> and uh, the whistle's gone. And I thought, I'm not going to put any in until he puts them in. And I heard a badoosh below me, right? So I started then bombarding. Badoosh, badoosh. And then up round and Mal's walking up the bank. He put more water <laughs> in and turned around and put it off. <laughs> oh, dear. Laughing his head off. <laughs> uh, of course, I didn't catch that day. No, no. I, I, I drew, I, I don't think I ever drew in the 80s. I drew 92 once. And, oh, it's terrible. And May said, lovely May Vince said to me, you should be all right there. It's an MPEG. I thought, oh, that's good. But it wasn't a downstream MPEG. It was an upstream MP. Yeah, and, yeah. and like, I always feel, that, and she said, I've left those out above you because they're not very good. And I always think that where, you, where you're drawn next to somewhere that's not very good, you're only one section, one tiny bit better than those that are not very good at all. You're in the not very good bit. And, and you know, that was another £2.11, a tiny roach day. I, I did have a day there once. I, did, I drew all right and caught a few on 101. But that was, uh, that was, that was a fair. I had another good day down, I think. Did I draw nine on the island or eleven? Oh, right the yeah, I'd, I'd, I was fourth on, and quite unlucky on that. It was a UK champ, so I think I had seventeen pound, and um, it would be the day the bream fed. Yeah, and the bream fed in the twenties on the point yeah, yeah. of the island there. Yeah, yeah. which and there was a bit of water on. I caught sort of normal chub fishing, but but that was the day. But but back back to the Avon, and and I suppose it would it started to get its fame in the mid seventies when when. Dick Derrington turned up with matches such as the Colt 45 and, yeah. and, and those, and they brought anglers from all over, didn't they? Yeah. Well, in my new book, the one I've... This, this book, that's out yeah. this week... Oh, I've not seen it before. I've seen a photo. I've not seen right. the book. Well, Somebody said it's like a yellow pages. It is, yeah. It's like a... But on the inside page... Dick and Carol, yeah. Dick and Carol. Yeah. And it actually says on there... Between them, they changed the face of match fishing forever. Absolutely. Absolutely. And they did. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and uh, like me, I suppose you can remember Dick standing up on the bench before the match. Like, now, listen, I make the rules and you're going to keep them. <laughs> and, you know, he, he even had to look up to you in, in stature. And there's not much of you and there, there wasn't much of him. But he certainly let everybody know who was in charge and who was boss. And they were great days. I mean, those, the, 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 the Colt 45 that eventually evolved into the John Smiths. I mean, that, they were just fantastic times. You've you yeah. any good memories of those matches, Brian? I tell you what, mate, they were the best times. They'll never come back, Keith. No. Those days will never, ever come back. I think you're right. Sadly, I had, I had so much fun back in those days. Mm. Uh, what's his name? Roger from up north he used to run a magazine fishing. Ma Roger Baker, no, no, Roger Mortimer, Rod no, 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 okay, he's not. Anyway, north, just, he's, he's no, yeah. Uh, I was forever winding him up on the, on the bank holiday weekend. It was just an annual thing. Yeah. I would wind him up some way or another. The one day I followed him into the car park where he'd pay at the machine. Yes. Right. He's jumped out of his car. I've jumped out, took his car keys out, sat back in my car. He's got his ticket, got back in his car, and I could see him looking around. And then he's out of his car and he's looking. And he looked at me and I just tacked his keys. <laughs> <and he> said, <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, that's what I said. Uh, another time, we'd been to Western Superman. I bought a fake uh, a penalty notice. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right, right. Uh, it, I knew he'd bought his ticket, and he parked right behind his peg in the crown matter, and I put this ticket on his car. And I got these chaps to go up to him and say, go and tell him he's got a ticket on his car. 
Uh, the first pair, his head comes out from under the bank and he's looking around. <laughs> it was so funny. Because we were all stood behind these trees laughing our heads off. And uh, in the end, it got the better of him. Right? Because all these people kept saying, you've got a ticket on your car. And in the end, he's out of his peg and he comes stomping up the bank in his waders, ripped this ticket off his car, he's opened it, and he said, got you, the fat boy. <laughs> 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 oh, uh, did you remember when I made you cry, Keith? No, I, I wouldn't get like that. Go on, tell the story. Do you remember when I made you cry? Go on, tell the story. When I was dressed as Barbara Streisand and I was like, you don't bring me flowers. <laughs> yeah, I do, yeah. yeah. Was, was that in the rowing club? No, that was at that place. At, uh, oh, was, that's right. The other, yeah. I organised that uh, that night out for everybody. That's right. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. I was I was there working for Diver at that time. I think. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Yeah, that, I wasn't embarrassed at all. No, 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 <laughs> not in the least. I could quite easily be Neil Diamond. Oh yeah, <laughs> I, I can be Neil Diamond as easy as you can be Barbara Streisand. Well, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was good night. Yeah, there yeah, was some good crack in in um, in O'Reilly's, the Irish Indian. Yes, that was, uh, that, that was good in there. And, and uh, I, I remember staying once in the Evesham Hotel. Not, not the water, usually stayed in the waterside. Yeah. This time somebody put me up there in, in, in the Evesham Hotel. And he was a bit of a character, wasn't he? That all, was. um, all, all modelled uh, plastic ducks in the bathroom. Mm-hmm. And, and he said every, t- every time we went down to him, he said, now, I'm going to make this clear. I do not do anything French. There is no French wine. There is no French cheese. There is no French meat. There is no. I don't like French people. So you, please don't try and buy some Beaujolais or anything like because there isn't any. You want South African? I've got it. You want Australian? I've got it. But I haven't got anything French. And he, he made that little speech every night at dinner time. He was a character. He was a character. I tell you, he was. Yeah, a- yeah. The waterside was always good. And and some of the evenings, like you know, when you think back to. Steve too, Steve and Angie too. And I mean, oh. no longer with us, Steve. What a great character he was. Frank Barlow. And, and, and O'Reilly's would just be a who's who yeah. of angling, wouldn't it? Yeah. And, and, and I remember the first time I went in there and, and, and the waiter come around and I ordered, he, I said, I'm Nambred, please. He said, small, medium or large? I said, well, what's the difference? He said, well, if there's only two of you, have a small one. But if there's a group of up to six, have a medium. I said, you sure it's enough? He said, oh, I think it'll be enough. So I said, I would have a medium one. Then it was me, John Middleton, his wife, my wife, and, and, and two others. I can't remember who else it was. Yeah. Might have been Malcolm Burdett. Right. Whoever yeah. it, it, and, and, and he came up with this, and it was like a magic carpet. <laughs> it's like a doormat. You know, it was, it was a number the size of a doormat, yeah. and he carried yeah. it on two trays. Like, oh, yeah. yeah, we only need one of those, thank you. Yeah, yeah. And, and you had to take your own drinks because it wasn't licensed. That's right. That's true. Yeah. That's true. On the fishing side of things, on, on the Smiths, the finals, it yeah. never really reached its potential, I think, because it was hammered Correct. up to the day. But, yeah. but the potential, I mean, you know, quite often the matches would be one with under £10, which yeah. is terrible considering how good the river was. Yeah. And, and, and it was, I mean, I, when I, when I, I was lucky enough to win it in 1999 and I had nearly £12 of chub and I, I had the Witchhaven off in 97, which was primarily one barbel. Yeah, um, and, and and it, but you never saw anyone win it with a massive bag of roach or a, a, a nice catch of dace. But it was also quite difficult to predict, and except when I won it, quite difficult to predict where the winner would come from because I drew one below the Isbourne, and it was you know the conditions were right for it. Yeah. When it's right, you're going to win it from one below yeah. the Isbourne. Yeah. It's a really good peg. I might have been two below wherever I was in the well, right. yeah, yeah. I, I, I was at a ballpark uh, anyway. Yeah, yeah. special. Yeah, it, it well, was. I've won the witch haven twice with eleven pound and thirteen pound roach. Yeah, so you know I'm a roach angler. I mean, what? Yeah. And but it was funny because the roach disappeared, and everybody was saying, "Oh, the Xander of Adam," and and they're not here anymore, and blah blah blah. But if you went down there in the evening when it was quiet after, there'd be roach. Literally, you could see them roach because their red fins would be coming out. Topping every, the river was full of roach, but until they allowed bloodworm, when you started to catch them, you wouldn't have known there was a roach there. No, no, it's true. It's and true. then it got it got to the hemp times, didn't it? And I remember I was catching on hemp, and you gave me a tip, 
Um, Because I'm a great believer when I'm fishing with hemp, if I miss bites, I'll put a bigger rook on. And if I miss bites on that, I'll put a bigger rook on. And I don't mind fishing a size 12 with a single bit of hemp on because the ropes don't look at hemp. They look at hemp. And you said to me, hair rig a bit to a 22. Yeah. And instead of missing bites, and when you catch a bite, it's a six-inch roach, you get a slower bite, and it's a 10-ounce roach. Correct. It made all the difference in the world. That was a wonderful tip you gave me. Uh, Did you pay me for that? No, not yet. I wrote a chapter in your book. Oh, you did, yeah. Very good, too. Very good. Very good. <laughs> yeah. So how did, how did you find all these things out? Was it just by practice and trial and error? Practice, trial and error. I was always at, like I said before, if I had a problem or an idea in my head, I went and sorted it out. Yeah. And that's how I, that's how I taught myself. Yeah. Because I was then- self-taught. Nobody taught me. No. I've tried to teach a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, I teach the kids every year at Evesham. Lovely. I try my best. Yeah. Um, I, I've given lessons to loads of people. I've had people sit behind me and I've given them the rigs that I've actually used and won the match with. They've got in my peg after the weigh-in, started fishing, and I just think, well, why have I bothered? You know what I mean? They... It's frustrating because they've sat and watched me for two hours. Yeah. See what I was doing. And yet when they've gone fishing themselves, they've done something completely different. I've been there, Brian, yeah. lots of times. Yeah, I've, I've been there. Can you understand that? No. And, and it's well, they see things differently. Yeah. And when they're standing behind the rod, they see things differently when they're standing behind the angler. That, that's, that's absolutely for sure. Um, but anyway, it, it, but eventually for you and, and, I've got to bring this up because it, it's only right. Things took a horrible turn for the worst. Yeah. And now you, you, you had to pack up match fishing, didn't you? Yeah. Well, I've, I've had kidney failure all my life. I had a kidney removed when I was 21. Uh, my consultant then told me that I'd be lucky to reach the age of 60. I'm now 67. Mm-hmm. So I'm on borrowed time. Uh I've now lost the use of my... I've got no feeling left in my fingers. Mm-hmm. Right, so I can't really... I can't put any bait on the hook. I can't put any shot on if I lose a hook. That's it. Mm. So I fish one match a year, which you know about. I fish the Veterans Division. I won my section last year. I should have won the match, but I had to pack up 40 minutes from the end. Uh, borrow me mate's stuff. He sets it up. I fish and he packs it up. It was brilliant. Mm, yeah. And he pays for the bait as well. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to share the winnings? No, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> nah. when, when did you actually sort of pack up? I packed up seven years ago. Mm. I was fishing a match and I'd hooked a bream. And this bream, I'd got it, I'd got it on, I brought it to the surface. And it made one of those silly dives what a bream sometimes makes. Only about two foot, but I nearly went in the river after it. Mm. And I thought, that's the time to stop. Yeah. I was, I was, I've been on dialysis 25 years. Mm. Uh, so I'm losing a, a lot of senses anyway. And I just decided that that was the time and that was it. Yeah, it must have been a terrible decision to have to make. Oh, mate, you can't believe it. Even today, I just, I'd love to be out there today fishing. Yeah. But I just can't go and that's it. No. no. But I'm gonna, I had two failed transplants. One in 2009, one 2011. The one in 2009, uh, I got caught in five times for a transplant before I actually had the transplant. Uh, I had the transplant. It lasted about four hours. Failed, they took it out. Oh. I was in a very, very, very dark place then. I bet. Um, I'd more or less decided to give up dialysis, go home, uh, let nature take its course, and that was the end of it. But I decided to write a book. 
my first book, which was this book. It's called A Walk with Grandad. Yeah. Right? The reason I wrote that book is because I wanted to leave something for my grandchildren that I would never see because I hadn't got any grandkids then. Mm. So I wanted to leave something for them. So I decided to write this book, A Little Walk on the River from Abbey Road Bridge down to Hampton Ferry yeah. and all the things you see along the way, you know, errands and boats and swans yeah. and buzzards and all that sort of stuff. And uh, I wrote this book and then I decided to get 40 copies printed just for family and friends. And the whole process took me about two years up to the time that I had my second transplant. That failed and I was in an even worse place. I was in intensive care for like 12 weeks. Uh, I, was, I had a nurse looking after me called Katie Mae Harris. Never forget her. Brilliant. And when I came out of intensive care, I just, just discussed it with my wife and kids that that was it. No more dialysis. Finished. I was going home. Well, they accepted my decision. Uh, two days later, my wife and my daughter came to pick me up to take me home. They took me back to the car in a wheelchair. They put me in the front seat of the car. My wife went to take the wheelchair back to reception and my daughter sat behind me. And she said, I'm Prego's dad. Mm-hmm. And that changed my life, mate. Yeah. And that changed amazing. That's amazing, mate, that is. Completely changed my life. Yeah. And now I've got two grandchildren and I love them. They're my world. And have you taken from for a walk along the Avon? Yeah. You have done. That's, yeah. that's, that's magical, mate. Absolutely magical. Now, um, you, you, you tell, us a, tell us a bit more about your books that you've written. Well, I've, at the moment, I've got 10 books out on Amazon. I've got uh, six kids' books. The Walk, um, not The Walk, you've seen that one. Mm-hmm. The Naughty Gnome, Naughty Gnome 2, Naughty Gnome 3 is coming out shortly. It's a three-inch naughty gnome. Causes all sorts of havoc wherever he goes. Not called Brian, is it? No, no, Paddy. (laughs) Uh, And I've got uh, Philomena, which is a fairy book for for little girls. Proper little daddy written book. Bedtime story book. I've got uh, two novels. I've got uh, Thumbprint in the Dome. And I've got uh, The Ghost of Level Nine, which has had five-star reviews on Goodreads. And I've got uh, a wolf book, which is a scary wolf book for teenagers. Mm -hmm. And I've got other stuff in the pipeline that I'll just keep working on. What what got you into that? Because you you, you don't strike me as someone that that majored in English at school. I left school at 15, mate. Yeah, that's why I mentioned it. I didn't have any lessons after 14. Mm. I was unteachable. Mm. I'd rather go fishing than go to school, which I did on a regular basis. I oh, know, I've read the book. <laughs> yeah, well, that book, A Badsy Boy, that tells you all you need to know about yeah. it. Yeah. Um, Keith, I wouldn't change a thing, mate. Honestly, health-wise, I've had a crap life. Mm. But I would not change a thing. I married the most marvellous woman in the world. Two fantastic kids. I've got two fantastic grandchildren. And I caught that many roach. You don't that, you don't feel the need to catch any more. No, I've caught that many. <laughs> I think brilliant anglers. I've got some fantastic friends. Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, as I would like to think I'm more respected in the fishing world. Oh, there's no doubt about that. No doubt about that at all, Benny. There's absolutely no doubt. Um, Now, again, this is something, another um, path I've got to explore with you. You've already mentioned um, my Neil Diamond to your Barbara Streisand. Oh, yes, yeah. Um, Barbara Streisand isn't your only alter ego, is it? Oh, no. No, I did. uh... (laughs) Dolly Spartan, Shirley Trashy, Tina Burner. Uh, Marilyn Monroe, 
Uh, oh, there was quite a few, mate. Yeah, yes. My favourite was Marilyn Monroe. Yeah, I bet it was. Yeah, especially when you stood over that grating and your skirt blew up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was great fun. Do you know? Do you know how I started on that? Go on. Right, I've raised money for charity for thirty years. Right, or doing all sorts of stuff. Is this all related to your kidney issues? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It start. I started raising money for Kidney Patients Association. Uh, Rick Ains. Do you remember Rick Ains? Yes, I do. Yeah. Carlos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was his wife's 40th birthday. Uh, all the team were invited to a party. He said, Benny, I want you to come, but I want you to do something stupid. No. Why would he ask you to do something I stupid? I have no idea. But anyway, so we are walking up through the town the one day, and I saw this silver dress in the charity shop. I thought, that'll fit me. So off we go. We go into the charity shop, buy this silver dress. Did you try it on in the shop? Yes. I stood in front of the mirror with it on. Yeah. <laughs> Took it to my sister and said, look, I bought this dress. I've got to do something stupid. I gave her a rough idea where I wanted. She said, leave it with me. I'll sort it out. So I won't tell you what she did to it. I've got on the stage at Rick Ains's. I've come out. I've got long blonde hair. I've got a tiara. I've got red lips. I've got the stockings on and I've got the big shoe, high shoes. Had you had a shave? Uh, yes. Yeah. yeah. I'd got these two arms sewed to this, of this dress, sewn to the dress. I've got two slits here and I've got a, fi- a false boob on each hand. And I did nine till five with these two false boobs. <laughs> I thought Dave Arrow was going to wet himself, honestly. I've never seen him so red in his face in all his life. It just went down so funny. And then people kept asking me to do it different places. And I'd go off and they'd pass the bucket round and for charity. And then I started doing others. And then, well, you know, <laughs> that's how things went, really. Yeah, 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 I'll bet it was. There's, there's quite a few people that over my angling career, um, I can imagine um, dressing up as, 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 as female impersonators, being a female impersonator. You wouldn't be that high <laughs> on the list, if I'm absolutely honest. You know, and I'm not, not saying you're wrong or being, <laughs> oh, being <laughs> in I any have, way um, nasty I about it. But... I grew a beard yeah. so that I, I'd stop doing the drag. Did you really? But I've actually done Marilyn Monroe four times with a beard. A full beard. It could be in Eurovision, mate. Well, I probably have won it as well. <laughs> well you probably yeah, would have got more yeah. than no points, that's for sure. Well, right. <laughs> Barbara Streisand like I did to you. Yeah. <laughs> that was a good night, Keith. I'll, I'll never forget that night. It, it was. A, it, they, they were all fantastic nights. Yeah. All those nights at Evesham. I remember when um, Dick invited me to talk to the rowing Evesham Rowing Club. Part of the deal of them letting um, letting the Smiths go on on their platform was was Dick had to arrange an after dinner speaker for them, and um, I I didn't know what to do to be honest. I mean I don't know they go rowing I go fishing and, and they're two things that don't necessarily converge very much, do they? It's 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 more you know they're more um, enemies than friends on the river oh. sometimes. I mean I, I've I've as I've got older. I've learned to put blinkers on and understand that the fish are more used to people be rowing along the river probably than they are fishing on the river. So, you know, right. I, I, I don't worry about it over much now. But there have been times when I've been very frustrated uh, by rowers on, on, on the River Lee when I used to fish as a youngster. So I, I did a combination of the, the, the that sort of West Midlands accent and... Um, what Dick had asked me to do. And and I started by saying, you know, Dick invited me in his own way and I did my, my very poor Dick Darrington West Midlands accent yeah. uh, imitation, impression, and said um, he'd asked me to talk Asian Rowing Club. <laughs> I said, and, and honestly, I thought you were like an arguing club. You sat there and you had debates. So I'm, I really don't know what to talk about tonight. And, and, and that just went anyway. But, yeah. but that was, yeah, that, they, they, were, they were just... Wonderful days. And, and funny enough, I was talking to someone yesterday about another 
great weekend that's now gone, which was about, about the first week of the fishing season. And we used to have, I don't know if you ever came down to fish it, the Rye two-day festival on the South Coast. Yeah. Which would which would get a minimum of 132 anglers, both booked for two days from all over the country, yeah. converging on the little town of Rye on, on the, the Kent Sussex coast. I think it's just in Sussex, but it's in that neck of the woods. Um, fishing a river that wasn't actually very good. Uh, and, and it was quite remarkable. And people went for the crack. And the Evesham weekend was definitely all, and still is, I guess, for those people that are lucky enough to still go. I had to stop going when uh, my, my my work involved not being able to get away on Saturdays. And, and yeah, yeah. You, you might not know this, I actually got the date of Fishermania changed from August Bank Holiday weekend, which it always was, the August Bank Holiday Saturday. I got it taken away from that because it clashed with the John Smiths. Not enough. Because the second, the first year I, I, I wasn't involved with Sky 94, the second year tight lines had just started. And, and the man who produced um, Fishermania that year, Mark Pierman, phoned me up and said, OK, are you all right for Bank Holiday Saturday? I said, what? He said, well, let's do the Fishermania final. I said, no. He said, no, why not? And tight line started on the 17th of August. So she's like 10 days before the event. What's yeah. I'm fishing, mate. I'm, I'm fishing the John Smiths. You don't give up the John Smiths to go stand and talk on the telly about doing things. So they changed it after Barry Hearn changed the date after that and brought it into oh, special Keith. You are earlier in <laughs> very special earlier into August, and then now it like it is now in, in, in July. Did you ever when, once the, the river started to get into more of a decline and and commercial fishing? mainly through the abolition of the closed season and the need for us to change all our tackle because you can't catch carp on day skier. Um, did, did you fall into the, the trap of commercials? Did you ever get on any of those? I did used to go to Woodlands View occasionally with my friend. Yeah. But it was not – I didn't. I only did it through the closed season. Yeah. Right, as soon as the river started again, that was it. You run it, yeah. Back on the river. Yeah. Uh I won't say I'm not any good at it, because when I retired from river fishing, I decided to have a look at the carp fishing scene. Mm -hmm. uh, I used to go to Manor Farm and watch all the Evanses and all these people that were the bee's knees at it. Yeah. And I watched for a whole year. Never fished. I just watched. And then the next year, I went 17 times and I picked up 15. Crikey. And I... That was enough for me. I just didn't want to do it anymore. Yeah. If you can fish, you can fish, can't you? Yeah. I mean, Pete got into it. Pete Rice, didn't he? He, he went from being the Evesham rat to the Tunnel Balm rat. He's a lovely bloke. I really oh, like Pete. He's so, he's so funny. So funny in his own way. And the way he used to fish at Evesham was, was, was incredible. In fact, we could just go back to Evesham a little bit because when it went into those doldrums, and people started fishing for eels uh, to make up a weight. And Jeff Salisbury had that huge eel on, on one of the Smiths matches, the late Jeff Salisbury, another wonderful angler. It's no a longer with us. Want to be a picture of that eel? Yeah, please. Yeah. It was a huge eel, wasn't it? It's. I've got a picture of it. Was it £5.2.5 or £5.11? Can you see it? Yeah, okay. It's a proper old snake, that, mate. A proper snake, Yeah. That was on the white. Was he on the white house? Then I think he was. Wasn't no, of um, both years born. This page oh, yeah. here of my book is about the people that are no longer with us. Yeah, you got Ian yeah. Barrett, Jeff Salisbury, Peppy yeah. Locks, Jan Porter, Jan Porter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There were some great angler. I remember Johnny Coates, who we used to fish with there, taken way too soon, and just. Oh, it, it was just a fantastic crack, and, and, and all back to um, to Diana's afterwards, to the Hampton Ferry Cafe, yep. uh, for a bit of bread pudding. <laughs> that was legend in its own. Oh, yep. But back yep. to the fishing. Well, I was going to say, when people started fishing, it was, tench started to appear. Yeah. Where did they come from? Or do you think they've been there all the time? They've been there and just, all not, the time. just not caught. Just not caught. Yeah. And if people have hooked one, and it's busted them, they say, well, it was a barbel. Barbel, or a yeah. Barbel. That's all yeah. it was. Yeah. I'll tell you a story about Johnny Coates. Yeah, he go was on. my best friend. Yes. Right. I used to go over to his house when he, he was ill. I mean, he was terminally ill. And, and yes, 
Everybody knew this. And I used to go over to his house every single day. Uh, we used to go fishing. We used to go walking on the river. We used to do all sorts together. And three days before he died, he phoned me up the day before and he said, can we go fishing tomorrow, mate? Well, I said, yeah, of course we can. So I went and got the bait from Mal Stories. When he went to his house to pick him up, uh, he said, just put my box in, mate. He said, we'll share a rod. Uh, we went to his favourite peg, which is opposite Stan Lewis's shop. Yeah. We sat there fishing all day with one rod. I fed. And we've had 30 pound of big roach. This is Budley now on the seven you're talking, yeah. 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 And it was fantastic. It was just one day that I'll never, ever forget. Yeah. And word got around that John was fishing. And all these anglers kept coming down, you know, to wish him good luck and to yeah. say cheerio and all this, that and the other. And it was one of my most memorable days fishing I've yeah. ever had. Heart-wrenching, mate, isn't it? Yeah, it just broke my heart when he died. Yeah. Mate. yeah. I sat in my car and I cried. Yeah. The day he died. Yeah, I bet. I went round to his house and I knew it was the end and he knew it was the end. Yeah. And I said to Carol, do you want me to phone his friends? And she said, would you? And I phoned people from all over the country. Yeah. And every single one of them came, dropped what they were doing, came to see him. To yeah. Say, yeah. Yeah. And the Davis funeral, the church was absolutely packed. Yeah. Yeah. Sadly missed, mate. Yeah, there's a few gone down that path, mate. And um, yeah. it comes to all of us in the end, doesn't it? Yeah, but I'm still fighting kids. Yeah, absolutely. Damn right. I don't blame you either. There's, uh, you know, there's, there's too much to want to stay around for, isn't there? Yeah, right. I'm too busy. <laughs> I'm too busy to die, mate. So, so, the, so, so your new book then, the, this, the, 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 told it up again. So I want to see it, the telephone directory. It's 340 pages of A4. It's called A Lifetime of Match Fishing. Yeah. And it's got some right reprobates involved. I've heard there are one or two in there. Yeah, namely yourself. <laughs> what, what I did, it, it was a bit sneaky, really. Uh, I was asked to write about my 10 most memorable match wins. And then I was asked to write about hep fishing at Eversham and about watercraft. So I decided to put all three of those subjects into one book. So I wrote 30,000 words on that, and I decided to invite top anglers to send me their own memories. And when you run out of them, you got to me? Yeah, well, yeah. You was last on the list, mate. <laughs> Even though your name's at the start of the name, don't worry. <laughs> but it, a lot of people, I'm pleased to say, got involved. Yeah. There was one or two that I won't mention, let me down, but then you're going to get that with everything. Yeah, of course you are. But this, There's empty pegs even on the best matches. Yeah, but yeah, true. But this has just been so well received. Yeah. Uh, because it's just, it's full of information, basically. I saw lovely Linda Wallace, who's written a chapter in there. She yeah. posted on Facebook the other day that her copy yeah, had yeah. arrived. She'd ordered yeah. it off Amazon as soon as she knew it was out. Yeah. And, 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 and she's got a copy, yeah. Yeah. Lifetime of match fishing. And, and, it is a lifetime of match fishing as well, because as you say, you've retired. Um, you're one match a year on the vets. You, you'll, you'll be out hopefully again yeah. doing it this year. It has, I bet the river looks lovely at the minute, doesn't it? It does at the moment. It's just finding off now. Well, it's just, it's just found off now. It's yeah. Just... I had a wander along the Thames down here yesterday morning, and that looked absolutely spot on. So yeah. you, you say you've got a couple more books in the pipeline. Surely there can't be another fishing book. No. Well, I got one in my head. Yeah. I've got two more kids' books coming out uh, yeah. within the next few weeks. But I have got another fishing book in my head. Yeah. I'm not going to say too much about that, but I will let you know. Yes, please. Please but, do. Uh, I'll get you involved with that. Oh, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that, you know. You know me, Brian. I'm always yeah. happy if I can help in any way, mate. Uh, then you know where I'm. You've got my number, and and, and um, we, we can you always have it. Think about this, this book. Yeah, go on to Badgie Boy. This is, Brian's, yeah. I, I, I'm sorry because we can see each other, 
Yeah. But I know you can't see us. So so the, the dear listener can't see us. So Brian's holding up his book, which has got him in his oh, right. okay. usual smiling pose. And it, it's a badgy boy. Brian comes from the right. village of Badsey. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's his autobiography, mostly tales about what a little sod he was when he was a kid. Basically, a lot of funny stories. I was always in trouble, basically. Uh, the copper used to come to, village copper used to come to our house, never knocked, walked in, walked in the house, said, where is the little sod? And that was basically me. Everything that went on in the village was my fault. But this book uh, is just full of funny stories, basically. There's some sad stories about people that have passed on and different things, but it's mainly funny stories. And I did a stand-up night, three and a half hours, on my own, with funny stories from this book. Wow. For charity. Yeah. And in the end, they've had to drag me off because I was I was into the flow, so to speak. Because this is and Brian I, Bennett or Marilyn Monroe or Dolly Spartan or someone? Yeah, whatever, whatever. Man. I talk about anything. Now, it was all funny stories, and it was just a marvellous evening. Mm. And we raised money for charity. Yeah. What more can you want? Oh, that's it. Yeah. It, it's incredible that, how, how prolific you've become as a writer. So you've got two more kids' books in the offing. Yeah. Possibly another angling book. Yes. Yeah. Is, is it? Oh, no, I can't. You told me not to ask. Is it going to be a how-to? No. No. No, it's not going to be a how-to at all. <laughs> you've done a who's who. Is it going to be a who's that? Who was? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you want me to tell you about a barber I caught? Yes, you please. I'd love to know. Story in my book. Twyford, I was on page 96 in an evening match. It was fishing absolutely dire. Nobody was catching anything. And I'm legging on it 14 and a half metres with three red maggots on a 14 hook. Right? I'd... Uh, Bait dropping in loads of maggots, trying to catch a barbel. The float shot under after two hours. I've hooked this barbel. It's come straight into the side. This is true. You might not believe this, but I assure you it's true. I've got a witness. This barbel is kited into the side. There's a wooden post stuck in the river. It's hit the wooden post. Smack. Stunned it. Right? It's laying in the river, twi twitching and quivering. I've run down the back, netted it, <laughs> put it in the net, and it was £9.12, and I won the match. <laughs> Goodness me. <laughs> wow. And then you go back to the one, I think I write about it in, 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 in the book, the one on the on the Witchhaven. That took a bit longer. Yes, it did a little bit, yeah. <laughs> but that was on 12-ounce line and a 20-foot yeah. match rod. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was a, a yeah. Do you yeah. still get to see the river regularly? Do you walk along it? Yeah, I walk along it. Yeah, I, sit, I go and sit behind Paul Glenfield and oh, Shep yeah. and one or two of the other old boys. Yeah. Yeah, I like to go and have a walk along, have a chat. Do, do, you, do you think, with your match angling hat on, do you, do you wish that it was like when Dick used to run the Smiths, John Smith, when Dick Derrick used to run the qualifiers, they would be all over the place um, yeah. and with the odd one, at Evesham, but yeah. now you've got sort of two matches a week most weeks yeah, it's, from it's the start right. of the season to, to, to the end of August. Do you think that's too many? Yeah, it is too many. And if, it would be better if it was one match a week. Mm. It would fish a lot better. It does so, get a lot of pressure, doesn't it? Yeah. I, mean, I used to travel all over the place with Dick. He used to go down to Gold Valley, all over yeah. the place. I remember, yeah, the qualifiers were everywhere, weren't they? Yeah. Up north, on the pool, yeah. we used to go everywhere. Yeah. Uh, but it's just too many matches on it now. And I, I, I don't know if I'm right in saying this, but because it's only an assumption reading the results, it seems like the same names frame quite regularly. Yeah. And sometimes you could be fourth or fifth in the match and qualify because yeah. the three or four people in front of you have already yeah. qualified. Is it, is it a relatively small click yes. that fishes the match now? Like the, if, he sells, if there's 60 pegs, do most of them go every week? Yeah, well, you've got the old guard, like our age. Yeah. Uh, what happens when they've gone? I have no idea. Yeah. Because 
no disrespect to anybody, and I mean that seriously, uh, but I've seen some of the angling ability on the bank when I've walked along, and some people would never qualify from mm. what I've seen, unless they catch a barbell or a big tench or something like that. Yeah. That's the only chance they've ever got. And and do you think, like I mentioned about you transferring your skills to commercials or adapting different skills for commercials? Yes. And we would have taken in the early days, I mean, catching carp shallow on the waggler is like catching dace shallow on the waggler, but it takes a bit longer to get them in. Yeah. So we transferred those skills from the river to the lakes. Yeah. Um, now, when I read... Some a really brilliant angler from down this way, Alex Clements, who I think is a superb angler. When I read his reports of how he's fished Evesham, it's like, and he's a very good natural river, natural water angler as well as a commercial angler, but it seems he's more using commercial tactics, lighter line, obviously, but longer poles, long line. And you could do, we couldn't do that because you had a 12 and a half metre pole out when we, when we were in our pump, if you like. It was like a banana. But most of it now is based around pole fishing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, a lot of it, a lot of the lesser anglers do what I call worm dangling. They'll pot a load of worm in, they'll sit there with a worm on for five hours. To me, that's not fishing. Right? Fishing for a barbell or an eel or a tench or yeah, something. That's what they're after. They're just after that one big fish to qualify for the final. Yeah. And to me, that's, that's all alien to me. Because yeah. I, I can do, if I've got to do it, I can do it. Don't worry, don't get me wrong. And I've Especially when you get one at Twyford that knocks itself out. Yeah, but I've done it, don't <laughs> get me wrong. But yeah. I would much rather qualify with £10 a roach. Now, that, that's led me to what I think is a really good question now. Do you think when me and you were doing it regular, I was going to say full-time, and, and possibly it was full-time, um, when we were doing it very regularly, I fished, and I know you fished, matches because you enjoyed fishing matches and you enjoyed fishing how you liked to fish. Yes. If you if everything went right on the day and you were clever enough and you worked your gear out right, you worked your feeding out right, you won the match. Yeah. You won it as a byproduct of enjoying a great day's fishing. That's precise. I, I get the feeling I get the feeling now that that more people are going out and the enjoyment comes picking up a brown envelope at the end yeah. rather than putting fish into the net repeatedly. That is completely, that's, that's where your carp mentality comes from. Do, do you get that attitude? I mean, I might be, I might be completely wrong on misjudging people, Brian, but I seem to get that feeling now. Yeah, it's, you're, de you're dead right. You're dead right. When we used to go, Keith, we used to have a laugh before the match. Yeah. We used to have a laugh during the match. Yeah. And we used to have a laugh after the match. Yes. It's not like that anymore. I was oh, talking I to Diana Raphael last night. Oh, yeah. And very few anglers go back after the matches now. Oh. Very Mostly few. Mostly, that was why we went. Oh, precisely. <laughs> you can't get a cup of mug of tea and a bit of bread pudding. That was why we went to the match. Yeah. And you get 60, 70 blokes go back. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But now, unless they got to pick some money up, they don't go back at all. Yeah. yeah. Now, that, to me, that's... That's part of the fishing garden, Alice. Yeah. It's a shame, mate, but very, very early on in this piece, you, you, you said something that was, that was very profound. Um, if only I could remember what it was. Now, you, 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 were, you were saying about how um, things were then and how we all went to enjoy our days and we had wonderful days and, and those days won't be repeated. I, sadly, I think you're right. They won't be repeated, mate. Yeah. Never, never. Yeah. Match fishing is a drug. Mm. Right? It's the same. You've got the same as, as I had. Match fishing is a drug. And once you've had that drug, you'll never, ever get rid of it. No. That's true. It is true. That's true, buddy. Anyway, we, we've run out of time, mate. Well, it's, I, it's, I say I've really enjoyed it. Well, it's, me too. Otherwise, we wouldn't have done it. Or we wouldn't have been here as long if I hadn't have enjoyed it. <laughs> it, it. It's been, as it always is when I speak to you, buddy, it's enlightening, it's enlivening, 
And it's always brings back so many wonderful, happy memories of, of what we used to do. And better than that, why we used to do it. Correct. Now, that's, that's, that's the, the important thing. That's the yeah. important part, the why we used to do it. Oh, good. I look forward to uh, the, the postman complaining about the size of the parcels. You've got to try and get through the letterbox. It's lovely talking to you, mate. You take care of yourself and, and, and we'll talk again soon. Stay safe, mate. Stay safe. I'm sure you'll agree it's a real pleasure listening to Brian Bennett chatting about his life and times. They genuinely were halcyon days. What I remember them anyway. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If it's your first listen, there's plenty more in our back catalogue. Please remember to like, share and subscribe. I'll be back soon with another stowaway on the strange boat. So until then, thank you for listening. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Helen Lewis, and I want to tell you about a podcast I've made for BBC Radio 4 and BBC Sounds. It's called The New Gurus, and it's about how everywhere you look on the internet, people are giving advice. Advice they claim will transform your life. Advice that gets some thousands, even millions of devoted followers. These online prophets are telling us how to eat, how to think, how to get rich, how to find love, how to manage our time. So how exactly are these gurus changing our lives and the world around us? And who holds them to account? Find out by subscribing to The New Gurus wherever you get your podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com Sports Social Podcast Network Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at Chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's Chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.